And all the saints said, want to thank uh, Liz for, uh, for the song and leading us. We need to be reminded of what the Lord can do in and through our lives. As we um, come this morning, we'll be uh, dealing with one word. Let me find my, oh, here it is. We'll be dealing with one word. Um, again, There'll be times when I'll be bringing to you one word, and we're going to put it on the table and analyze it. We have a tendency to use words, and we really don't know the definition or the root of it. I'm not trying to be insulting. We really don't. <laughs> and that's why when we say uh, good, only God is good. So then everything you measure, if, you, if it's going to be good, it must start from God and work its way out. You have a good marriage, that's the word from God out, you know, whatever the case may be. Well, the same way with he, in, in this area here as we uh, get started. Are all set? Okay. Uh, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, as we come this morning, thank you for our time together. And these moments that we have with the saints, the intent is that we understand some words and to be careful where we place them. And above all, how we live according to them. So we want to take this word this morning, put it in a context where we can understand it, and above all, apply it. So help us, Lord, to, um, if you call us to the level of excellence, help us to think on the level of excellence. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said. Amen. Kind um, of click this on here. So we'll get started here. And as we uh, uh, get started, we talk about the word greatness. What is it? Boy, that was a great movie. You know, stuff like that. But that was a great meal. We use the word so flippantly, and we really don't know what the word really means. It we just describes it. It's described, no, it's, it's great. And so this morning what we want to do is the analogy of greatness. And so we're, we're looking in God's word as we uh, look at Matthews 21 to uh, 48 about the analogy of greatness. And we will move toward that end. We will be care very careful to try to move toward that end, laying the foundation of it. So we'll put it into a storyline or a biblical line as we go through it. But we'll just kind of lay out some principles here. First, we'll start off with, uh, with the scripture. Matthew uh, 20, 20, I start off with, and I had 21. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him uh, with her sons, kneeling down and asking, him some, uh, something, asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on, on your right hand and, on the other on the and the other on the left hand in your kingdom. These guys got their mama trying to get them sitting on the right hand. Left. Okay, right. here we go. That's downright I could think of that times. 
But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you, you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, that's the sons, we're able. Boy, you know, we, we have more. We, boy, we be opening our mouths. Sometimes we just need to shut up, you know. And, uh, anyway, it goes on. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but the conjunction with a function. To sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it's for those for whom it is prepared by my father. It didn't say my father will prepare it. It's past tense. He, see the, he, it's already done. So don't try to unseat him, okay? <laughs> okay. So, so here we, we see this, and we want to walk through this line, and I pray that the Lord would help us. The problem with the requests and the reactions of the other disciples was wisely turned into a teachable moment. What type of moment? Jesus is good at taking things like this and then turning it into a teachable moment. Here is a mama that wants the boys to sit on the left hand and on the right hand and everything. I can understand mama's heart. Maybe we use this on Mother's Day, you know. A mother wants to have her children to sit on the, on the right and left hand side of Jesus. Isn't that great? Great for the boys and good for her, right? That's my child. I said, no, not that. Okay, go on. Clarifying the term. Greatness cannot be defined by our position in life, but with our standing before God. That's where greatness starts. Um, never confuse talent, popularity, notoriety, and status with greatness. This because a person is a good dancer does not make them great, it makes them talented. So sometimes you, you see all of these popular people come and you're just shivering, you just want to autograph because they're, and some of you, they're so great, they're not great, they're just talented, well known. That's all. And when you start placing value on that that is valueless, when they mess up, then you're greatly let down. Now, there's a number of names. I'm just saying this because this was really my heart. I mean, this, I mean, this uh, person who was really talented and um, was a comedian and everything else, and uh, it was the, the Bill Cosby uh, thing, situation. Well-known, well, I love the shows and everything else, very original and all, that whole, whole thing. And, and folks, if you just mention that name, he was highly because he was talented. But what he was accused of showed that he was not great. Because greatness is attached to God. Everybody with me so far? So then when you start saying, that's great, I'm expecting you to put God first before you make the evaluation. Everybody with me so far? So then when we talk about this thing about greatness... Here's a mama who wants their son, her son, on the left hand and right hand side. Well, we need to analyze this story to see as uh, so this goes on. But God is great. Everything must be assigned or allowed by him, which is measured by his purpose, 
plan and standards. Only God is great. You do a research, just type in great. Just type in great when it comes down to your research in scripture. Look for it and see where it starts at. Look how it's applied. Look how people are made great because God has made them great. And some have been thrown down, Nebuchadnezzar, and then God brought them back. It was God who brought them back to greatness. It is God who put the kings up, and it's God who takes the kings down. God is great. And you know what? He will share his glory with no man. Amen? So... <clears throat> Thinking it through, Jesus was preparing his disciples for uh, great things that had eternal uh, importance. The biggest challenge was to establish, one, clarity, two, purpose, and three, performance according to the will of God. If he's, here are the guy, these guys, Jesus with his disciples, this becomes a teachable moment because these guys are going to follow Christ. And therefore, these guys must have clarity. They must not, they must not be this partiality and I'm better than you and everything. I'm more articulate than you, so therefore I have to do this or I should be here or, or there. I Forgive me, at one point I was... Uh, uh, at Moody Bible Institute Pastors Conference, I think I shared this with you, Pastors Conference, my friend uh, Webster Frowner was there. And he and I have been friends since, been since the ser uh, service. Anyway, we were at the Pastors Conference, and, um, and we were sitting, you could see about 1,900 pastors sitting out there. And um, I think it was Jim Wick who, who came up to the podium and said, um, you know, we're beckoning to come in. So I said, he must be talking to me, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, he won't, but probably won't want me to pray. So, so he said, no, come here, I want you to come and, and pray. I, I thought, but then he said, no, Webster Frowner. Now, I'm just being honest with you. I said, Lord, you, you know how Webster speaks. And, uh, you know, I've been serving you. <laughs> at least I can get a little recognition at Moody. <laughs> Uh, oh, you've never been in places like that, huh? You never, you never thought anything. Okay, then I'm just, a, I'm just a, uh, 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 one of your patients in the psychiatrist's office. You've never been through this. You're just analyzing me. But I'm just simply saying, you know, th there's a time when we go through this. And, uh, and what happened was uh, that day passed and the Lord laid on my heart. It's not that important. Moody Week came up in January. And um, they wanted me to come to have prayer one of the nights. That particular night was Robbie Zacharias. And I, was, I had a chance to meet with him, Joe Stoll, and all the others in back before we went on stage. And it was time for me to pray, not to 1,900 pastors, but over Moody Radio. And as I prayed, Folks in Muskegon and everything else. I heard you praying and everything else. You know what the Lord said to me? You see, if you want something, I can do it for you. The thing is, what do I get out of it? How, how do you measure greatness?
greatness. So he wanted to give these guys clarity, purpose, and performance according to the will of God. You do it according to the will of God, there's nothing that can stop you. Nothing. Well, for a better understanding, consider these three snapshots. One, the sincere appeal. The next one, the special agenda. And third, the serious assessment. So let's, let's start off with first the, the whole idea of the serious appeal. And as we look at that, that verse again, we uh, want to go over it. Then the, the son, uh, the mother of uh, Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. Notice that her submission, uh, submissive approach was admirable. She, she came before him and, and, uh, and she asked, oh boy, it was very, she showed what they call deference, respect, See, all of that was in a nutshell as she came. As she, came. she didn't just come and say, Jesus. You know. she, she came very respectful uh, to him. Uh, something else. Her sincere expectations were limited and flawed. And he said to her, what do you, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand and the other on the left hand in your kingdom. Cross-reference. I, I put this cross-reference here because, understand now, she asked about the sons, right? I said, well, who are these sons? Turned out to be James and John. James and John were the sons of thunder. Because those guys' tempers and everything else, and uh, they can get pretty rash at times, they were, they were labeled as the sons of thunder. Uh, the Lord used these guys in numbers. You follow James and John through scriptures with Jesus. As a matter of fact, when the young, uh, when the young girl was raised, it says he put all of them out except a, a few of the, uh, the uh, disciples. And guess who's, uh, who's, who's there? James and John. On Mount of, 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 of Transfiguration, Guess who's there? Peter, James, and John. You see, I mean, so, so, I mean, the Lord had nothing against James and John, but the fact is that you want these guys to sit in a place that's already taken. So just do a little, a, a, a re, this recap here. Let's, let's go over something, just a snapshot of James and John. Here's just one verse of many. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey of Jerusalem. In other words, he went to a town, and the town did not want to have him, uh, uh, have him around. Now, James and John are there with Jesus, okay? And so it was a very disappointing moment for James and John. This how, they're going to treat Jesus like this? Watch what happens. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? <laughs> you know, it's, we had a little saying around the house, shut up. Sometimes if, if he was able to do that, then why is Jesus coming to die for the sinners? So just because the people don't want to hear you, you want to throw them into hell just like that? I mean, that's what he wanted. Hey, Lord, throw them. They rejected you. 
Let us give us, let's use the power of Elijah and just burn them up, Lord. <laughs> and here's his, and it says, and he turned around and did what? Did what? He turned around and rebuked them. Shut up, you know. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. When you want to, now get this now. In Matthew, he have already gone on over the Beatitudes. We've gone over about loving your enemies and everything else. And the same disciples turn around and say, Lord, do you want us to bring down fire and burn them out? I said, no, shut up. That's why he didn't, he didn't let them out. They, still had, they were still under training. You guys, you guys still have a lot to learn. A lot to learn. Luke 9, 56, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but, conjunction, to save them. And they went to another village. So this village reject you, then turn and go to the next village. Don't take it so personal. Because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. One of my best, one of my best friends, uh, is, uh, Nathaniel Payne, he used to drive uh, CTA. And the way some of the folks would get on there and what they would say to him. And he said, you know what? I, um, I don't take it personal. They're talking to CTA. They don't even know me. <laughs> they don't know my name. So why should I get upset they don't even know my name? And I said, thank you, Nate. That was one of, my, one of the teachable moments for me, you know? <laughs> Number two, the special agenda. Now, notice what the special agenda says. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are. <laughs> so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on the right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my father. The reality check. He's saying to these guys, are you willing to drink the cup that I cup that I'm uh, going to give it to take? Wait a minute, we're not talking about literal cups now, right now. Are you willing to take on what it really takes for souls to be saved? Are you willing to work or take on what Satan's going to do to you as you walk with me? We're willing. Don't even know, us, don't know all the dynamics of it. Just be careful how you uh, volunteer for something you don't know. The requirement. He says, are you really, really want to do that, guys? To be baptized with the same baptism that I'll be baptized with? His baptism was death. Are you willing to die? 
And they were saying, now remember, they said, yes, right? The moment that um, Peter cut this man's ear off, you saw nothing but the bottle of gym shoes running every which way. But all of the folks being this, what they call braggadocious, they wanted to just say, hey, yeah, I can do it, but wait a minute, not until you're really into the fire. And unless we learn to walk with God at all times, we will not be prepared for the things that will come our way. Satan hates you. Another reason the way he's hate, hate you. You have eternity with God, he'll be with eternity without God. You'll be blessed and he'll be tormented day and night. You got the idea? God loves us. As far as Satan's concerned, he's off the ticket. There's nothing else connected to Satan and those who are burned in the lake of fire. We're blessed. Then the reservation. Um, he says, yes, you, you will do this. You're going to go through this. But let me tell you something. This reservation that you're asking for on my right hand and on my left hand, I'm sorry. Those seats are taken. What part are taken you don't understand. And see, to have... Here we got 12 guys from every walk of life, fishermen and what have you. You have these guys from every walk of life, and here this guy's mother came to stand on their behalf, and now he's going to cause some problems up in here. Number three, the serious assessment. It says this, there are three things that these verses reveal. One, the conflict, the contrast, and the command. So we'll go over those. First, the conflict. When we look at the conflict, it says, and when the 10 heard it, they were what? They were displeased, greatly displeased. They were really burning up with the two brothers. No, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, they were really. No, you didn't get your mother to try to sit, uh, sit you on one side and the other. Guys, I mean, they were, they were livid. <sighs> it goes on. The contrast. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know, that the rulers of the, of, of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. According to this world system, the word great means, here, are they, are, here they are, control, power, authority, superiority, popularity. According to this, this world system, when a person is great, they possess these things. And a lot of times, people want to be around great people so that they'll look great. They want to take selfies with the, the, the uh, individuals so they'll look good. 
And the Lord is saying, when you talk about the world, says this is what the world surmised as great. And they write books on what made them great. They go on talk show shows and, and expand their names in all sorts aspects of media to show how great they are. Their, their popularity, their superiority, their authority, their power, their control, and even their talent. He says, that's how the world is. Don't ever start your congregation, you would start your conversation with the fact that you're great or what you're doing is great and it does not have God in the picture. Then, yet it shall not be so among you. He says, he says let me make something very clear. I better not hear that among you. That type of greatness should never be among you. Do you know the thing that split churches? Do you know that what, what split, I mean, what caused problems in choirs? One person sings and they say, I can sing better than. I don't know why you didn't let me use that song. It, I mean, it goes all the way through the whole idea of positioning oneself to look good. But in the analogy of greatness, it does not start with what you do, but who you are. And that depends on where you are as you stand with the Lord. That's greatness. And God can take that and make the whole world know who you are. Matthew 20, 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Uh-oh. You want to be great? <laughs> then become a doulos, a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and give his life for ransom. So, so you, want to be, you want to be great? It says then, be a slave, and then be willing to serve. You see the proclamation, it better not be a part, a part of you. The plan, become a slave. The pattern, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Are we there yet? One thing about um, um, being in leadership, in order for you to be a good leader, you have to learn how to follow. And when you learn how to follow, that means you have to operate and being serving and whatever the case may be. I, I mentioned earlier, and I probably mentioned every, probably every two years, I probably say it again. I don't know, but I remember uh, Bud Hopkins, and, and when we were merging, whatever the case may be, and um, Bud Hopkins uh, was to um, uh, they required him to be in the city, in the realm of the city, and so the discussion was Bud Hopkins coming on here as pastor. 
you know. And, um, and I said to him, I have no problem. I have no problem. You see, since I know who I am <laughs> and what I do, see, then I'm not going around, I'm not going around saying, no, I am pastor. I will keep things in place as pastor. But if there's a leadership that God places, I'll very quickly become a servant. See, the, the whole idea is this. Lives are changed. Don't forget the agenda. God is glorified. It's not where you stand before the world. It's where you stand before God. And you must become a doulos, a slave, which means you don't have a say-so. I don't care how large the congregation is, I tell you, it will not really change until individuals take a reassessment of what greatness is. This week, I met with past, my pastors and I, we, we meet, not my pastors, but pastors and I, we meet uh, every uh, other week. And uh, this past week, um, this pastor had decided, you know what? Uh, regardless of the congregation, the size of the congregation, everything else, says, this is what I'm going to do. He first went to his office and changed his office into um, uh, really a place of worship. He took a lot of the books out and everything else, and the first thing he does, he would do is worship the Lord. Then what happened was is that uh, he went home and made a complete change so that the main object was worshiping the Lord. Before morning worship, he said, I wasn't, this was no show. He says, this is what I did. The time that we're supposed to start worshiping God, I went up on the front seat and started worshiping myself before God. And as I begin to worship God, it says other congregational members start gathering around me and start worshiping God. It says dynamics of my church is changing because I put God in his rightful place. The change in our lives is not in your career or how smart you are. Or the privileged position that people have placed you is where are you before God? Daniel was great. And the only thing that they can get him on was his worship. So if that happens with Daniel and Job... He said, when it comes down to materialistic things, I had it all. And God didn't tell me what was going to happen, but everything crashed in on me. And you're talking about health. My health for one whole year had what they call, one of the doctors called elephantitis. You should have seen my skin and everything else. He said, for one whole year. 
He said, but, but when things started falling around me, one thing I did, I told, I tore my clothes, threw ashes on my head, I fell down and did what? Worship. When things go wrong, worship. Worship him. He's worthy of it. It's not where you sit. It's where you stand before God. Greatness. I hope you never misuse that word again. Oh, he's a talented athlete. Well known. There's a lot of notoriety. But let me tell you something. He's not great until God makes him great. And whatever he has, God gave him to him. I hope you hear me this morning. As we deal with words. And you know what? <laughs> I like this. And they say one more thing. The psalmist says, delight thyself in the Lord. And he will give you what? The what? Now, don't try to be slick with God. You got your little agenda in your back pocket. Lord, I worship you. You're so wonderful. You know, wherever you want to send me, send me. Lord, so take the little, pack, little packet off of your back pocket there. And put it all on the altar. And this moment, this morning as we close, I appreciate your attention and your feedback. But my prayer is that we understand what greatness is. And whenever you come through this door for morning worship, come with a sense of his greatness. Or you have missed everything. See, one last thing. Let's read together. Greatness is embedded in sacrifice, service, sincerity, and submission. All of these can be realized by the God-given freedom of. We had to choose today where we're going to stand with God. Don't, don't worry about the congregation, what the, the few, uh, no, no. God can make a great congregation. I don't you understand what a great congregation is. It's not measured by size, it's measured by quality. And when you talk about quality, that's where impact is. My prayer is that we get this concept and embrace it. And as we bow in prayer, um, maybe we want to say, well, Lord, I need to make an adjustment on my thinking on this whole thing about greatness. Help me to be the person that I need to be. If you, you're, the, you're the person, I'd like to pray for you. Just 
Let's stand. Standing is saying, Lord, I'm confirming what you already said in my heart, and I, I need to stand on this one. Whether people recognize you as great does not matter. It's whether God can trust you with something that resembles and represents him. Greatness. So that when you do evangelism, it will be great. When you talk to friends and counsel friends, it would be great. Great. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, how we look to you and thank you for our time together. Thank you for the snapshot concerning the disciples and what they were going through. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly more than what we could even ask or think. We want to be people, since we are one of a kind, and there'll never be another one of us, may we live in the circle of greatness. And only you, Lord, only you're great. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your love. You're trustworthy. Great. And Lord, help us to never step down to the world and how they respond to us. Because you have said, ye are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We go, Lord, to make a difference, not to blend in. Help us to do just that with a heart that's attuned to you. Then whatever we ask, You'll give it to us because you can trust us. Thank you for the saints who are standing. Thank you for what you're going to do in and through their lives. Great is your faithfulness. And we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, amen.